Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Britton. And I'm Russell Crowe's busted phone. I mean, I'm Alex. His phone from, from the nice guys or from the reporter that he threw it at in real life? No, it's from the gladiator. From... Oh. You remember that scene where Joaquin Phoenix, he, he you know, puts his thumb down? <laughs> right. Uh, Russell Crowe immediately chucked a phone at him. <laughs> you remember that? Remember the part of Gladiator with time travel? Uh, Wait, you know about Terminators? <laughs> that was good. Um, hey, everybody, welcome. Uh, as we mentioned last episode, uh, this is our Britton and Alex uh, special episode. Tyler is off uh, globe trotting. He's on a business trip. He is far from home. He is very far from home. As the kids say, far from us, far from our hearts, but never far from our memories. Um, and so it's me and Alex this time. I have journeyed to Alex's domicile far, far in the, the reaches of space and time. Correct. And uh, I am also coming off of, I hope, being... Maybe I was food poisoning. Maybe I was just sick. I don't know. So if I'm a little sluggish uh, during this episode, uh, that's why. Because <laughs> I have been a very sluggy boy the last 36 hours. Sluggy boy. That's Sluggy what we should. Boy. We need to rename the podcast. <laughs> Sluggy boy. We talk about movies. Yep. And so to for this special episode, Happy Halloween, everybody! This episode theoretically is coming out on Halloween, or perhaps just after it. We hope you all enjoyed our spooktacular Phantom episode. Um, <laughs> we talked about the Phantom of the Opera for Halloween <laughs> for like two and a half hours. Is, <laughs> you know. Sometimes I'm amazed at the stuff we do. <laughs> Normally I'm not, but... That... No. That one... There's something almost impressive about it. Right. Uh, but what we thought... Because Alex and I, we did an episode where we did our top ten superhero movies a few years ago. A list that would probably be very different now. Uh, for me, at least. Yeah, probably. Um, and I... Because, you know, Catwoman, gotta put that on there. And... <laughs> jokes. <laughs> and this uh, week, what we did was we each suggested five movies to the other one uh, from which they may choose one and we are now going to discuss uh, the movies we each chose from the list. Do we want to say... I guess there's no point in divulging our full lists. No, we can go ahead and do that. Okay. If we remember them, I, I, I don't, don't have them off the top of my head. I suggested... The movies I suggested to Alex Are were you? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, yep. and Infernal Affairs, Liberal Arts... Paranorman and Bone Tomahawk. Right. Um, and Alex, do you remember what you suggested for me? Because uh, I, I, I do. I, I, I did Clue. Clue. Uh, Superman Returns. Yes. Uh, the Aviator. The Aviator. Died. The Town. <laughs> oh yeah, The Town. See, it's, it's, it's all these movies that I like hold in like really high regard for yeah. the most part. Yeah, what was the fifth one? The Town and... Uh, Made in Manhattan. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> the Cell. The Cell. <laughs> That's a choice. <laughs> yeah. um. I was just thinking about Tarsum, who made that movie. Also made The Fall, which is really good. And then we can watch Immortals, which is there. Yeah. And Mirror Mirror, which wasn't as bad as everyone said it was. I thought it was fine. It wasn't great, but you know. So basically the idea for this was let's try and get away from franchises for yeah. for just one episode, especially since Tyler is in here. Yeah. Um, we're kind of in between series. After yeah. this we'll be starting the Pitch Perfect franchise, yes, we which will. will be fun. 
Um, do, 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 do. That's it. <laughs> I was really, I was really afraid you were gonna then like expect me to have some kind of response. Like, continue the beat. I just assumed that when we record those episodes, we're all going to be doing like a ba 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 da ba 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 Like all three of us will be doing three part harmony. Of course. Cool. Tyler played trumpet. He knows or trombone. He knows how to do that. <laughs> that translates easily. Yeah, of course. You know, you really, know, you you learn one instrument, you learn them all. Thank you. And that includes singing. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're doing Pitch Perfect next, but now we're going to be doing some other stuff. Uh, so I think what we're going to do is probably break this into, like, we'll talk about one movie and we'll talk about the other one. Right. We'll kind of bounce around, I'm sure. A little, have, I mean, if you listen to the show, we're going to bounce around. Right. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Um, I'll make some esoteric reference. And I'll be perpetually confused. Yeah, it'll be a fun time for everybody. It'd be great. So, so the idea with this was just kind of to have a, a short break. Sometimes yeah. it's fun to do just a random one-off episode. Yes. And for me, I really saw this as an opportunity to just see stuff that was at least a little bit out of my wheelhouse. Sure. The idea was each of us gives the other a list of films that that person has not seen. Yeah, or hasn't seen in a very long time. Right. Because most of the movies that I have seen, Britain has also seen. Ha-ha. <laughs> but not a lot of them do I remember. Right. Um, and, and we mostly tried to stay away from franchises. Obviously, like, one of the options I gave was Superman Returns. But that's just more, it's a weird movie, and I want to talk about it with sure. someone. <laughs> well, and we've also danced so much around doing the Superman movie. Right. So it's like, will we do that? I don't know. We won't. <laughs> I really, all I really want to do is talk about the Christopher Reeve ones anyway. So. I only want to talk about, like, the first Christopher Reeve one. I can... <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the only one I've seen. I just fine. I just love them so much. It's fine. So, anyways, yes, uh, Britain, are we flipping a coin? What are, what are we doing here? Um, I, don't, I don't have a coin on hand. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> uh, audience, which movie do you think we should? Who should <laughs> Everyone, go raise your hands right now. Yeah, can you? It's like Dora the Explorer or something. What do you want to do? <laughs> well, we can start off with great with, with with the movie that Britain watched. How about that? Okay, yeah, so I watched, I selected Clue. Clue the movie, I believe. Clue is, the movie. I, I don't know if it's... If I it's believe it is called... I believe that is the full title. Is, okay. Is Clue the movie. Right. Um, cable Guy, that was the other one I brought. Yes, yes, Cable Guy. That, and I was actually going to do Cable Guy because I'd never seen it. But it was easier... I had, I had easier access to Clue for, right. for free. Um, so I, and I had seen Clue, I mean, at this point, maybe 10 years ago. Right. There was a, some friends of mine, yeah, about 10 years ago, did a thing where, like... The month of October, they just did these crazy movie marathons, like, all month. And so there, I saw a ton of movies that way, like Predator. And I, you know, I love movies. I don't think I would have the endurance for that. They, yeah. It was a really fun... I, the, yeah, at 20, 21 years old, I was fine with it. But. The closest I've done is every day for nearly a month I watched a James Bond movie. Sure. And that's... When they would do multiple per day, but, like, we did Labyrinth and Predator and Dune and this great Japanese movie called Versus. Mm-hmm. And, like... Uh, Clue was one I mean just all because a lot of them were sort of Halloween themed obviously right but we watched this one and so I was like yeah cool it's a spooky month I'll watch Clue Uh, and I can give the scores for this one Uh, it has a 59% um, critic score critic score with an 86% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes yeah because this movie uh, when it premiered was not well received it was a bomb at the box office right. and a lot of the critics did not go for it Roger Ebert wasn't a fan I mean a lot of people didn't but it attained a sort of cult status right in the in the time since and uh, then uh, just a couple of other additional facts it was came out in 1985 and was directed by Jonathan Lynn first time director 
Who, who, oh, I feel bad for him. If, yeah, no, right. Like, it, it's it's one thing if it's just like your first time out, like you make a a not great movie, sure. But to actually make something that is, this movie is good. I I, I really like it. Oh, I, I do too. Um, but just to get like a shellacking at the box office and then nobody sees it, that's that's kind of disappointing. Yeah. I mean, and I think too with because I, I imagine that a lot of first time directors, I imagine there's a lot of pressure, but I hope that there is also a, an understanding of like, hey, this is my first time out. It's not always going to be a Jordan Peele or John Krasinski or Olivia Wilde situation. Right. Um, he also he also directed actually some pretty notable movies. He made The Whole Nine Yards, hmm. Fighting Temptation, Sergeant Bilko, My Cousin Vinny. Um, <laughs> my Cousin Vinny. And he made Nuns on the Run. Nuns on the Run starring Eric Idle and Robbie Coltrane. So I actually kind of have to see it, I suppose. Because uh, Robbie Coltrane's awesome. And frankly, so is uh, Eric Idle. See, that's smaller reason why I am excited for us to get back to James Bond. Because Robbie Coltrane is in two of the uh, Pierce Brosnan movies. Robbie Coltrane's and, so great. spoilers, he's awesome. <laughs> oh, he's great. He's a, what, he such plays, a wonderful actor. He plays a Russian gangster, and it's amazing. I think the first time I ever saw him probably was Hagrid. Mm-hmm. But, and I remember even at the time, as like a 10-year-old... Noting all the characters that weren't the same as in the books, but I was like, but he's like Hagrid walk off the page. Right. Like, yeah, that's just what, that's Hagrid, like, to a T. Good right. job, Robbie. Um, yeah, so, Clue. What's your best thing and your worst thing about Clue the movie? Clue the movie. Um, I think my best Which, thing. Some people might not really know what this movie is at all. Sure. It is, it is an adaptation of the board game. Yeah. As, like, as, like, this goofy comedy. And I would say there has never been a good quote-unquote video game movie right there is one good board game movie i can think of and it's this one correct i thought you were gonna say battleship are there others besides those two they're trying to get a monopoly one to happen i don't know if there's any others i really don't know well is there is there like a tetris movie i don't know (laughs) i think they're they're honestly trying to make (laughs) oh my god i mean after freaking a lego movie came out yeah i mean Suppose you can do anything. Yeah, really. The Playmobil <laughs> movie's happening this year. I played the Playmobil a lot. More. Everyone run for cover. I played the Playmobil a lot more as a kid than Legos, but the Lego movie is a really great movie. Right. It lends itself to that. Anyway, um, but yeah, Clue, I think my best thing, broadly speaking, it's the cast. Yeah. Um, specifically, it's going to be Madeline Kahn. Because this is one of those movies where everyone stands out, so therefore nobody really stands out. It's such a, an ensemble. Right. I mean, let, this, a rundown of this cast, it's Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKeon, Madeline Kahn, Leslie Ann Warren. Mm-hmm. Um, Fun fact. Colin Camp. Leslie Ann Warren, connecting it back to Superman, she was one of the many, many actresses that auditioned for Lois Lane back for the 78 movie. Oh, wow. And uh, 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 Martin Mull is in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene Parmesan. Yeah, it's a it's a ridiculous McMurderer's row of actors, and apparently Carrie Fisher was supposed to play Miss Scarlet, hmm. but she was in rehab at the time, so they got Leslie Ann Warren, oh, okay. um, who's marvelous in this. Yes, like all of these actors are are so good. And Madeline Kahn specifically, she has such a command over her over herself. Like she's so funny in everything I've ever seen her in. I think it's some of the best deadpan delivery oh, I've man. ever seen. It's so like, and it almost, it feels like, I feel like there are plenty of movies where you can tell there's one actor who's like, you know what, screw this, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Right. Because the director doesn't know what they're doing, I'm just going to do, and I feel like that is not the mentality she had, but I, she clearly was just like, they're like, here, Madeline, just do what you want. Just right. like, 
because she is so it's her performance is so weird because she's playing Mrs. White <laughs> who's supposed to be this very like you know no I'm I'm very serious all the time but she says these crazy things right and there's a part where they're trying to like do a cover up or something and uh, so the movie is basically like this you know French slamming door farce everyone running around deaf all over the place right but there's a part they're trying to dis- disguise something by singing "Freeze a Jolly Good Fellow," and she just starts singing it in a round and higher than everyone else. So like, yeah. for he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good fellow, jolly good fellow. <laughs> just, and she's like a fairly was a fairly diminutive woman, so she's just standing there with like this veil and like this little pillbox hat, just like not moving and just like singing in a round. It's so funny, right? And then of course, famously, the great ad libbed line where she goes, "I hated her." So much, I just flames, flames on the sides of my face. Like it is so, and I, I've heard a rumor that Martin Mull was supposed to have a line because in in the shot, it's Madeline kind of in the foreground and he's like standing behind her, and he just forgot to do his line or something. So he just kept. She was vamping until he talked. Or maybe she just ad lib. Either way, it was an ad lib, and it's so funny. Or the, the director brought him aside. We just want to see how far she goes. Honestly, don't do anything. Like <laughs> we'll just see what happens. Yeah, I mean, she's so funny, and like everything I've seen her in, she's amazing. She was a host on the, on the Muppet Show one time and was hilarious. Like she was one of those, uh, just one of those gems of, of comedy history. Right. She was so funny and beautiful and great singer. I mean, she she could do anything, and it's. It's crazy. Like, I don't know. I, yeah. I love Adeline Kahn. This movie is nuts. Yeah, but, but also you've got, like, Michael McKeon is so funny in this. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe Christopher Lloyd got a shorter end of the stick. His thing was, like, you're a perv. Well, this is, like, the same year as Back to the Future. Yeah. So this is, like, right as... Yeah. So, so like, his big role, everybody knows him for being, like, super crazy and out there. Yeah. So it's just, it's very interesting to see him in a more, a far more laid back position which I think he thrives in yeah. like everyone always wants to be crazy but he was in an episode of Chuck where he played like a therapist and he was very stoic and I was great mm-hmm. in that he was in uh, he and Danny DeVito were two of the inmates in One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest they're both great in that he was also in The Page Master he was also in Santa Buddies uh, which I'll, he you was, have not seen he was The Page Master <laughs> that's true well <laughs> Alex I know you haven't seen Santa Buddies or not to your memory anyway but he what? Did, uh, Christopher Lloyd is in that movie as someone as the mumbliest man on, on the planet who later and we talked about this on the episode uh, he would give an interview he was like yeah Christmas is uh, it's wonderful you get to see people you don't usually get to see <laughs> which you could say the same thing about the grocery store but whatever Chris um, and yeah I mean I really enjoyed Eileen Brennan in this I thought she was really funny uh, and Tim Curry Look, Tim Curry is so unique. You know what I mean? Like, the way he speaks and everything. Right. He is such a brilliant performer. Mm-hmm. Not to brag, I've seen him on stage. Um, in not my, to brag. Not to brag. In Monty Python, Spam a lot on Broadway. And I went in really excited to see some of the other actors, not even really thinking about him. He's so good. Like, he's so talented. And with Tim Curry, we always think of, like, Frankenfurter or the, like, Tim Curry, that kind of thing. Right. Nice cheese pizza. But in this, him him playing Pennywise, or right, exactly. But in this, he's doing something so. I mean, it's still silly, but like it's so fast. He has so much. Like the scene at the end where he's just reenacting the entire movie, pretty much, and he's running all over the place, and he has all this expository dialogue, and he's. 
he's so good at finding all of these levels within it and like speeding up and slowing everything down. It's so and good. then uh, remind me, doesn't he like because like people get slapped or you know get hit or yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. throughout the movie? And then like he when he's reenacting everything, he'll just like punch somebody in the face. I think he does that to Madeline Kahn. And Madeline Kahn's like, oh, and then like kind of falls lazily. She does so many good, just like you have a dead pan. She does so many just like dead face, like. like Oh my goodness, and just not move. Well, that's that's the interesting thing because a lot of times, particularly with a mystery, if it's not mm-hmm. like super deep or anything, or yeah. if it's like so convoluted, it doesn't yeah. really matter. Oftentimes, I find myself going, "Well, this movie's not really rewatchable because there's no point. Like the mystery's not really yeah, yeah, what yeah. the movie's about." And yeah. this movie's like it's not about the mystery. No. Um, but this one has rewatchability in spades because you have all these wonderful actors. And there's so many just shots where you have like four or five of them. It's yeah. focused on one or two. Yeah. And I just I, I want to look behind them, mm-hmm. see how the other two are, are reacting. Yeah, yeah. Like what is I like what face is Eileen Brennan making yeah. or what little gesture did Michael McKeon do? Yeah. Yeah, I just broadly and, and I don't really know what my worst thing would be, except that maybe like Christopher Lloyd doesn't get enough to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. and this isn't a perfect movie, but it's like it's, I can't really pick out. I can't really pick out a thing that like bothered me. Right. I feel like when I watched it, I had a little bit of like fatigue, but that may have just been that day, just was I wasn't in the mood. But I, I have had a very busy week, so I wasn't able to like. Yeah. Had to watch it a few days ago. But. I love the person who shows up with the singing telegram from the Go Go's. Oh really? She was in the band the Go Go's. Oh. Who okay. did Vacation from Spider Man Far From Home? Remember when I sang yeah. that song on the podcast? I do remember that. And then, like, just the comic timing with the editing, and, like, she does her little dance, and then she immediately gets shot. Yes. And it shouldn't be funny, but it is. it's really funny. And, like, (laughs) I love, um, I don't know. This is one of those movies where you just end up quoting it and just reciting jokes. Right. Because the jokes are all so good. And, like, Martin Ball has that great line where he goes, uh... No, I I, I served bravely in the war, and I made all my money when I lost my mommy and daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Where it was a very normal line until my mommy and daddy. Well, it's also interesting because there's probably a lot you can read into about just kind of uh, lampooning the politics of the 50s. Sure. And like McCarthyism and the Cold War. Yeah, well, the cook is watching the McCarthy hearings. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff you could probably read into about that. But I like how, like, that's all subtext. Like, you don't have to focus on that. You can just be like, funny jokes. Well, it's like in um, Eileen Brennan's ending, when the, uh, the... Got the federal agent undercover as a door to door evangelist. Mm-hmm. She calls him a beatnik. Right. <laughs> like, what is that even? Oh, well, I guess we should probably give some people some context because I'm not even sure how many people have actually watched this. Oh, movie. sure. Yeah. So, this movie famously had multiple endings. Yeah. And depending on what showing you went to, you mm-hmm. got a different ending. And which so, I do think, which I think the idea of that was to motivate people to come to see it multiple times. Right. What it ended up doing was dissuading people from seeing the movie. Right. Um, the release, at least the one that I have, has mm-hmm. the option of like, oh, do you want a random ending, or do yeah. you want all of them to play? Yeah, and I always do just do all of them because so, the way it's edited, I like how it's like that's how it could have happened, yes. but it also could have happened like this. Yeah, and, like then, and then the last one, it's like, but this is how it really happened. Do you? Which is your favorite of the three endings? Um, and do you consider do you consider one to be the quote unquote true ending? Not really. Yeah. It's one of those cases where the ending almost doesn't really matter. It's Agreed. really just how crazy and nuts it gets at the end. Because yeah. this is one of those movies... I, I, As everyone knows, I try and pay attention to like the little plot details right, and I look right, for right. inconsistencies and stuff. I'm not looking for that in this at all. So yeah. there could be like... 
I don't know if any of those endings actually make sense. Sure, sure. All of them could be completely nonsensical. I yeah. don't know. I don't care. They're fun. Yeah, and because and because because it also gives the actors such different ways of playing it. Because yeah. like the one where Leslie Ann Warren ends up being the killer, yeah. she immediately like her she's putting on a different performance yeah. as opposed to the other endings where she's just playing herself as she has through the rest of the movie. Sure. I mean, Eileen Brennan and Michael McKeon do the same thing. Right, exactly. Um, my, my, mine might be the Michael McKeon because I just... I, there's so many twists in that and that's right. like the all-encompassing... Now, that's the one where he ends up being like a CIA agent yeah, and yeah. he arrests them all, right? Yeah, because he realizes that they were all... Or maybe like there are multiple murders in that story and he's... The, and then he says, I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. <laughs> because the whole... Yeah, there's a running gag of like, oh, he's gay he's and everybody gay, yeah. makes fun of him for it. Yeah, or like... I love that they don't necessarily make fun of him, but like... Everybody judges him. For yeah, it. and like Christopher Plummer or Christopher Plummer, Christopher Lloyd, who plays Professor could, Plum. Could you imagine if Christopher Plummer was in this movie? Hello, <laughs> I'm Christopher Plummer. You know, well, I suppose we could solve a mystery or two, or sort of. A... Do you remember when I was Nicolas Cage's grandfather in National Treasure? I used to do this joke with my mom where I would <laughs> just I would do a Christopher Plummer impression and then just go into like a Ken Burns Civil War monologue. Okay. <laughs> Hello, I'm Christopher Plummer. Dearest Martha, the nights are cold, especially in, oh, apart from your arms. The men are tired, as tired as I am not being in your arms. We continue to survive our, on our rations of beans and hash, though really I could only survive on lying in your arms. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Just with really like a sad violin in the background. You go on this whole tangent, you know, that kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it's like reading, like if you read, like when Tyler gets to the end of War and Peace, if the last sentence says, you know, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's me, Tolstoy. We, we've all been there. Tolstoy, who was played by Christopher Plummer in the movie. Um, but no, that, uh, that, that um, Christopher Lloyd would like not sit next to him or whatever. Right. I did like the gag where Michael McKeon and Colleen Camp as the, the French maid, uh, Yvette, and she's very funny in this too, with her very over-the-top accent. The one time I felt any sort of like real emotion was when she ended up getting killed. Yeah, because I was like, "Oh, that's that's unfortunate." And depending on the ending you watch, she's innocent. Yeah, but yeah, I'll like, "We oui, miss you." I was so frightened. <laughs> like it's so crazy. <laughs> well, it's, it's just funny how they, they they managed to play on the stereotypes so well. Yeah. Like she is the French maid. Yeah, and they sexualize her, but but that's. It's not like a creepy thing. It's, it's very like much the, the joke. Yeah, yeah. When I like the the bit like where they're standing at the the, the the camera's looking down at them from the top of the staircase coming to the attic. Yeah, and he's like, "You go first. Uh, no, you go first. And they cut away to something else, and they cut back, and they're still standing there. <laughs> right, and it uh, doesn't like two or three times. Yeah, yeah. They're just like they were. It's very very funny. Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's. I. I'm interested that. You are. What do you think it is about this movie that is, enables you to let go of the plot so much? Because you are so plot driven with most of your movies. Mm -hmm. Like, so I was, I'm actually quite surprised to hear you say that. Like, what about this? Com is it because it's a comedy, or I think that's that's mostly yeah. what it is. A, a lot of times, and I've I've kind of mentioned this before. This is why I tend to stay away from doing comedies or horror yeah. films, or sure. or leaning towards doing that on the podcast because yeah. at the end of the day, it's for horror films did it scare you yeah. it doesn't matter if it made any sense or not it's did it scare you yeah. and 
for comedies is did it make you laugh? Yeah. I'm not going to tell you The Hangover has a great story. Sure. But it made me laugh. Yeah. And those are also both... I mean, all of it's subjective, but those are both so incredibly subjective. Or Animal House. Sure. That movie is is nonsensical. Yeah. But it's hilarious. Well, because like anybody could walk out of Clue and be like, that wasn't funny. Right. None of that made me laugh. Right. And they're not wrong. It's just anybody could walk out of Hereditary and not feel scared. Right. And it, it's kind of my thing where, where like... The more that the filmmakers are taking the plot and the character yeah. seriously, then I feel like, okay, I know what the expectation is. I should be taking it sure, more sure. seriously. But if everybody's treating it like a joke, and this movie, and yeah, that's not yeah. a bad thing in this movie's case, right? But I'm going, okay, the plot, I I can let that go. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, because the movie, the- and even then, like I said, it's it's a matter of I'm not actively trying to see if the plot makes sense. It could. Yeah, yeah, and I think that it probably is a smarter movie than we give it credit for in terms of the mystery element. Right. But it is mostly, it is a joke factory. Like, right. that's why this movie exists. It's for comedy. And it, it's like, let's let's have this 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 premise that everybody's familiar with. Yeah. But it's it's all these interesting characters that have yeah. to deal with these constant twists and turns and see yeah. just based off of their characters and what we know about them, how will they react? Yeah. It's just a wacky experience. It's not about... I mean, again, the plot is there, but it's, it's supposed to just be funny. And I think that... Mm-hmm. Because they're not taking it seriously. Apparently, Martin Mull has said that like they didn't they, they didn't expect it to be good because they're all having so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's like there's no way this will ever be like a real thing because we're all just like we're just hanging out on this Paramount set, right, or wherever, just like playing pool in between shots and just like I mean, can you imagine being on a movie set with like Madeline Kahn at all? But like that group of people, all right, like getting to just hang out. Like it, how it does make you wonder. Like how did they get any work done? I feel like I they just be <laughs> constantly just like cracking jokes. If Madeline Kahn was that like renegade in the in the shoot, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's 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 so impressive and like, yeah. It just it must have been a really fun set to be on because like you just all these very funny people just like hanging out you know and doing this silly movie and every scene has every character not literally every scene but many scenes have most of the characters well it's fun to watch that that's a a fun thing to look for when you're rewatching it yeah if you are trying to pay a bit more attention to the plot yeah trying to see who's not present in certain scenes because that then helps you try and piece together okay you were up to this you were doing wrongdoing this yeah. in the background and doing this and switching stuff around and yeah yeah which is which makes the three endings really impressive then because I'm like did they have to make this movie to justify three different endings yeah which is kind of kind of like how retroactively Blade Runner twenty forty nine was like we're gonna make a sequel to six different versions of Blade Runner and it's gonna make complete sense yeah and <laughs> work because Villeneuve is great um, and it looks awesome too. I mentioned that movie a lot on this on this podcast. Um, I love Ridley Scott. He's great. No, mostly because uh, uh, I remember there's like a director's roundtable mm-hmm. around the time that The Martian comes out or, or something. And, and but he's referencing Blade Runner. Oh yeah. Or maybe it's a producer's roundtable or something. He's talking about Blade Runner, yeah. and he immediately goes, "Decades are replicant." I know what you're talking about. Like the conversation is just starting, they turn towards him. He's like, "Deck, it's a replicant. How could yeah. he not be a replicant?" And he goes on like this long. I think model. Seth Rogen's in that one too, yes. right? Because I remember watching that, and Seth Rogen's over there, like, "Oh, this is crazy." <laughs> no, because he seems so like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it!" <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, he's. <laughs> it's just, he's it's just character. like okay. Her- I'm going on on my own. Yeah. Rant tangent right now, uh, but like Denis Villeneuve. 
Harrison Ford. Like nobody believes this yeah. this theory that Ridley Scott has that Deckard's a replicant. Like yeah. everybody disagrees with him. But I I just love the stubborn old man that he is, where he's just like he's a replicant. Is How it? could he not be? This. Blade Runner 2049, the plot doesn't make any sense unless he <laughs> isn't a replicant. Does, or once, the, yeah. Yeah. Does the book, the Philip K. Dick novel, state whether he is or isn't one? He's human. There's no ambiguity about okay. it. Okay. Okay. That's never a question. That is all yeah. really tra- or really Scott's brainchild. That, the okay. unicorn dream, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. all him. I honestly feel sometimes like Blade Runner works better just as a sensory experience than oh it's, it's a mood piece yeah like cause that movie looks amazing it's also boring sound well, that, that's the thing like if you just go into this like I'm just having a visual aural experience as someone who who overall likes Blade Runner that yeah. movie is boring and I think 2049 did a nice job of having narrative and mood and yes well it feels like it's actually telling a story with yeah. like good solid character work going yeah. on instead yeah. of Harrison Ford just not mm-hmm. Understanding uh, what's going on. It also has Dave Batista in glasses. Um, Correct. <laughs> which is awesome. He's in like, one of the best, like, 30 second fight scenes ever. That movie's so good. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of what else I made. Make really... one more. I don't care if 2049 bombed. Make one more <laughs> so we can do it for the podcast. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm trying to think of other things about Clue that aren't just jokes. Because it's. Maybe this is a detriment to the movie, but it's also a compliment that, like, when you think about it, you just think of all the jokes from it that made you laugh. If it's a comedy, I think that's that's yeah. the name of the game. It's obviously it's great when you see a comedy that also has a beautiful story and has a is a well told thing. Yeah, because like Cable Guy, I think that actually has okay. a, a good story and it yeah. actually has like thematic ideas going on about like people's obsession with like yeah. media and sure <laughs> people people that that are are very introverted or they don't know how to socially interact yeah. with people like, like Jamie it, Fox in Amazing Spider Man Two. <laughs> Aces, Max. Aces. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 well, and um, I think The Big Sick from a couple years right, ago, yeah. a movie that I completely love, is a hilarious comedy and a beautifully told story. Yes. And thank you for recommending that, by the way. Oh, <laughs> like, man. like two or three years ago, whenever that movie came out, you yeah. were immediately like, "You should watch that." And I'm like, "Oh, it's on Amazon Prime." And then I watched it. It was great. It's a great <laughs> movie. I don't, know, I don't know if we've talked about it. Then, how good is Holly Hunter in that movie? How good is Ray Romano in it? Right? Every, I mean, frankly, everyone in that movie is great, but, like, yeah. Holly Hunter just, like, knocked me over. Well, it's movie. just nice because, like, my, my only experiences with Holly Hunter are, like, Incredibles, where sure. it's just her voice, or Batman vs. Superman, which, okay. to be fair, she is the best character and performance in that entire movie. Yeah. But still, what a waste. Have you seen No Brother War though? No, I haven't. Okay, okay. I've seen the bits where they're not actually singing. Right, right. <laughs> oh, that's, that's about it. Such a good movie. Yeah, she um she's one of those actors who I really haven't seen enough of her. But whenever I've seen her, like when I when I when I see Holly Hunter be good in something, I'm like, you're like one of the best actors on the planet. Like she's so brilliant, and I love her in Big Six so much. Yeah, and like Kumail, and I love the thing about you've never had a conversation about nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just so well done, and like uh um the the man who plays Kumail's father is so good he has no business having that much gravitas and being that funny mm-hmm. Anupam Kerr is his name he's amazing in that yeah I'm glad you liked it I, I that was my favorite movie from, from that year easy mm-hmm. oh. um, is there anything else about Clue that you can really note off the top of your head I'm trying to not really I think overall I just like 
I, I like the aesthetic of yeah. it's the 50s. We're at this mm-hmm. mysterious mansion that's got all these twists and turns. And it's got these little yeah. hidden tunnels and stuff. And, of course, we're, they're using stuff from the games. Yeah. Or the game. Right. Um, like, like the different murder devices. Like the, the candlestick have... and the revolver and the yeah. rope. And, like, I love all that stuff. I love how... Because there's so many, like, I'm thinking video game movies or just adaptations where it's just so many of the fundamental elements that make whatever yeah. the thing is it makes it the thing right um they just kind of strip it out yeah to the point where it's no longer whatever it was in the first place and it's just nice how this is just like no we've got the the names of the characters are just aliases like nobody there isn't an actual colonel mustard yeah but like it's a fun little twist where they they have their cake and eat it too where they're not actually named these ridiculous names yeah. they're used as aliases right. to try and protect their identities at this mysterious place yeah and then they bring in the weapons and they, they bring in the different rooms and stuff. like I love how they're able to bring in all the, the yeah. game elements because I just like that that aesthetic that feel when they only do one time I think it's in his ending where Michael McKeon goes Yes, I did it in the hole in the whatever with the revolver. Like, and they don't the they don't overdo it. that. Yeah, no. because I think a lot of video game movies or board game movies or whatever they tend to just it's just to be it's just a series of references, right, to the original thing, and that doesn't make it a good movie. Because I, I believe, like, just example, I think the Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider movie. Okay, I think for the most part it's just like generic jungle adventure movie, sure. and then at the end she gets like the twin guns and the braid. Oh, and it's like, oh, she's gonna be like the real Tomb Raider Ready now. for that. And it's like, yeah. I came here to see Tomb Raider, and you waste two hours of my life on sure. this boring origin story to get her to be yeah. Tomb Raider for a sequel that nobody will see. <laughs> Which apparently... Well, I, I, feel I like, haven't actually seen that movie, so this yeah. is all... <laughs> when the Tomb Raider reboot video game, yeah. the first of the now three, yeah. she got the twin guns into that in a really beautiful way, but also that game was very much like, hey, we're revamping this character that's also different because it's a game and you're actually interacting with it so yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. a question of if you're enjoying the gameplay yeah. more so which than I anything else. very much was yeah and so for that the end of that game where she gets the twin guns was like oh here we go we're here and maybe after watching that movie maybe it is super fulfilling when yeah. she gets that but to me that just comes off as oh that's just like a super pandering thing and you didn't actually want that to be in the movie sure. but you felt obligated to right. throw it in there and I feel like Clue had this right balance of going hey, there's iconography from this that we want to include. From a board game. So what's a clever way that we can include it? But let's also not base our entire movie on that. Right. Let's also, because they had to create characters off of pictures. These these characters in the board game don't have personality. Exactly. They're just drawings. And they, so have they have names to, and artists' renderings. <laughs> yeah. And it's really impressive that, and in a way, like, that makes Clue a great option for a movie because... You get to decide everything. You get to decide the story and who these people are, which right. they did very nicely. And, you know, I don't think there should be a lot of board game movies. Um, no, absolutely not. I don't really know of any video games that I want to see turn I, into. I think movies. this movie is kind of a fluke. Oh, yeah. It just it happened to In work. terms of, if you had told me that they were making a Clue movie in the first place, I would have told you, they don't. Eh, they don't oh, do oh do nowadays, that. yeah, I'd be rolling my eyes. But like now, like could you imagine like Jerry Bruckheimer's producing a Clue movie? And Rumor like, has that... it that they want to make a do a remake. It's like a, imagine it's like a globe trotting franchise for Clue. Mm-hmm. Is Dwayne the Rock Johnson gonna be the star? That's what I'm afraid of. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to the uh, podcast movie. Crush. I'm I'm literally just imagining the Jumanji movies, but they just slap on Clue 
instead of Jumanji. One, well, and, and I have not heard. I heard about this through the podcast Movie Crush when Casey Wilson was on to discuss her favorite movie Clue, which I listened to in preparation for this episode, and they were talking about that rumor. But clearly, there's no been no word. I I, I not, hadn't heard about it. So, and you know me, I'm really plugged in. But yeah, it's just don't mess with it. Like we've already got this great thing. Yeah, we've got this great movie. We're good. Quit while you're ahead. Yeah, like <laughs> like we we have this this board game adaptation that works. That doesn't mean it's gonna work. Yeah. The next time. Well, it's like I believe that you could take a video game and make a great movie from that. They just haven't yet, and I don't. <laughs> and, and you got to pick the right game. You got to pick the right people to make it. I and I don't know who. I, I don't know what game. I don't know what person to make it. I believe it's gonna happen. Detective Pikachu got close, but. It still isn't. It, I, still I, I think with I it. think it has to be something that's story driven. But even then, the, the, with a lot of video games, story driven video games, those stories are long. Right. Um, Bioshock is the one a lot of people want to make, but my thing about Bioshock is so much of the storytelling in that is optional. Right. You find it through the audio diaries that you pick up, and it's, and that's part of the problem. When I played Bioshock, I didn't like. I picked up that stuff, but yeah. I wasn't actively. The story didn't engage me at all. Sure. And then I got to the end. I'm like, I don't. And Bioshock is a is a game that I got nothing from it. If, if you really and because I, I did get a lot from it because I was like was going and finding all the stuff and exploring the world and everything. Right. But also Bioshock is something that I'm like I kind of want to experience this as a video game. Right. Like I don't really want to experience this in a movie. Well, it's just strange. I, I think there are some things that maybe are a bit shallow in terms of being story driven. Yeah. It's like Call of Duty, perfect example. Sure. Where they the campaigns are super linear. There's literally one way to go to complete the game. Yeah. Um, and most of the stories are kind of by the numbers and they, they repeat a lot of elements across the games but I feel like just in terms of I think they do a decent job at, at least making slightly memorable characters mm-hmm. I think that could translate very well into a sure. movie and you could fle- and you and you could flesh out the story and, and, yeah. and the world a bit more like that would get I, I feel like Call of Duty is kind of a perfect one where you can expand on the material yeah. instead of just like like Years of War or Halo or, yeah, or yeah, Bioshock where it's got right. this intricate thing and you have to kind of pick and choose what elements. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like Call of Duty you can kind of just leave everything in as is and just add more stuff. Because that might be the it. better way to do it like they did with Clue where it's like hey there's not much here so we get to expand on it. We right. get to create it as opposed but to... But you have to remember oh we gotta add stuff. <laughs> right, right. As opposed to oh yeah this game has a really great story. 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 Has a really great story. Let's Cut cut it down and edit it and change it from the movies and right. and then it stops being the thing we liked. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you made a movie out of, I don't know, I don't know. Um, I I enjoy the Street Fighter movie to a degree, um, as a good bad movie. Um, Mortal Kombat same. Most of them I think of as good bads. I remember liking the Doom movie in the sense that like for a dumb movie this is pretty smart. I still don't think it's a good movie. <laughs> I never saw Assassin's Creed. Well, it's just funny because I, I rarely think of like, oh, that video game, it could make a good movie. Yeah. A lot of times I think of, oh, that's a good movie. It could make a pretty solid video game. Sure. Like, I think I feel like, honestly, like Power Rangers, oh, I feel like yeah. that should be a video game franchise and a video game franchise alone. Yeah, that would be great. I don't feel like we need TV shows that are constantly just the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah no, I think a video game would be awesome. Yeah. And I think, too, with... with yeah, I play a lot Same of, thing with Terminator. Quit sure. making Terminator movies. Just make it a franchise and make it, like, Future War stuff. Yeah. And just cut the fat. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I play a lot of video games, and, and I love them. 
but like like I'm, a, I'm not a huge fan of these like very story driven games like The Last of Us and um, the Arkham games and the, I like the Arkham games a lot I'm a big fan of like Horizon Zero Dawn and the Final Fantasy games but again those stories are designed for you to play over the course of like 40 to 60 hours like right. or and also or Call of Duty where it's 6 hours at most right well, see, and, and see? I, 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 I think we're on to something. <laughs> which is another concern I have about, like, well, which, the Witcher Netflix series is based on the books, not the game, so. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, I say, oh, it would be great to turn Call of Duty into a film, and then they'd be like, yeah. all right, we got Michael Bay doing it, and I'm like, no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they could get, like, uh... He had know. his chance with the Benghazi movie to <laughs> stop. <laughs> Whoever, get uh, Sam Mendes in there, I don't know. I keep forgetting 1941 is coming out this year. Isn't it 1917? 1917. Yeah. 1941 is the Spielberg movie. That's right. a totally different thing. 1917. I, I've seen 1941, by the way. That's a very bizarre movie. So I've heard. John Belushi is like this fighter pilot is amazing. Yeah. And I kind of retroactively wish he was Han Solo, but... <laughs> On the record. Yeah, well, I was a... I a, just want to see it. I don't yeah. want it to be what actually happens. <laughs> I think that part of what heaven is, is getting to see alternate histories, just like, for entertainment. Like, Are you telling me that I get to see the Snyder Cut? Pretty much. <laughs> <I'm just> like... <laughs> yeah. That, you, that I would get to just like walk up to a big computer and be like, what if, you know, I guess existentially, like, what would have happened if I had made this decision? But then you could also go, what would have happened if, what would have if John Belushi were, were Han Solo? And you just get to enjoy that. Um, yeah, that's what I think of as heaven. It's okay. That's, that's, what, you, that's what you think of as heaven. My, my heaven would be like, oh, what if Amman and the Wasp were good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it just fine. I don't remember anything about it. If that says anything. Anyway, let's move on. What's what's your grade for Clue? I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna go flat A. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah it feels feels pretty good to cool. me. All right, I think for right now I'm gonna go B plus. Sure. Um, and I actually did not watch it again for this episode, unfortunately. Um, a lot of other stuff I'm having to keep up with at the moment in terms of media. Um, so this one, yeah, just kind of I wasn't able to rewatch yours either. It, right, um, but yeah, I, I, I watched it uh, like a couple months ago, and I I remember really really enjoying it, and um, it's a good time. I don't know. It's short. It's like an hour thirty-two or something. Exactly. That's that's. I, I like a good comedy that knows like yeah. oh we don't need to overstay our welcome. And you know this is something a lot of movies are really long nowadays. And a lot of my favorite because movies. Because they've got to be epic. Yeah. And yet we won't put intermissions in them. It's uh, not an epic film. It's not an event unless yeah. it's over two and a half hours, Britain. You just don't understand. Well, a lot of my favorite movies are long, like Lord of the Rings and stuff. Right. But at the same time... And if you can justify your length, which Lord of the Rings does, that's awesome. But, you know, when you when, there are some great movies that are not. Man of half. Steel did not need to be two and a half right. hours. You, you can tell a great story... In 90 minutes, a complete adventure, and, and everyone goes home at the end. Uh, kind of like they, Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah. 90 minutes. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> it, it might be even it might be 80 minutes. Perfect. That's a short movie. <laughs> and you know what? It's, it's awesome. perfect. No, it's a phenomenal experience. <laughs> uh, speaking of short It's ed- a more phenomenal experience. <laughs> more phenomenal than what? Um, <laughs> 
better than Turbo, Power Rangers movie. I'll give you that. I haven't watched it, but I believe you. Oh my god, we should watch Turbo, Power Rangers movie. I'm just saying. There are, we should watch it and record a commentary track. There are multiple Power Rangers movies. We could do them on the show. I mean, we could. I don't I don't want to. <laughs> We've been doing a lot of one-offs recently, so we're going to, I think, kind of stick to the franchises. We might do a holiday special in but, December. But we should force Tyler to watch it with us. Uh, good. Because <laughs> I know, like... like Turbo A Power Rangers movie yeah. is a terrible movie. Like, okay. like it's not just like, oh, it's bad, but we enjoy it. Sure, sure, it's sure. It's bad. <laughs> okay, well, then I'm in. <laughs> um, but, like, just, just, like, tricking Tyler and be like, oh, yeah. hey, we're, like, oh, Rise of Skywalker is out on Blu-ray. we got to watch it for the podcast. Let's get together and watch <laughs> it. And then we're like, psych! <laughs> <laughs> um, Tyler, I hope you're not listening to this episode. <laughs> it's okay. He's passively editing. <laughs> Uh, so we might maybe we can do that for a holiday special this we haven't decided about December specials or not this year um, before we jump into the movie that you watched we have a little bit of here come the sequels housekeeping uh, we have, you're going to say here's our ad from stamps.com well do we want to do the housekeeping cool announcement now or do we want to wait till the end of the episode um, we can go ahead and do it now cool so we got there's some lovely news we were entreated to deliver this uh, to you the listeners uh, our friend Tyler is engaged. He's yes. engaged to be married. We are extremely happy for him. Uh, it was that's not a, that's not the reason he's missing from this episode. No, by the no, way, no, no, no. He's 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 legitimately like traveling. He is on a business so. trip. <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, he told me. I mean, I think probably a couple weeks ago they got two weeks ago, maybe a week or two ago. Yeah, thereabouts, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we are extremely happy for him and for his fiance Alex, who I call Alex Prime. Um, Different Alex. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, we, we grow we grow like lice. I, just, I've seen them in a room together. They're different people. There's just there's just too many of us. Right. If there's one thing I could change about this planet, it would be let's have less Alexes. Alex Cross, <laughs> Alex Ryder, Stormbreaker thing. Are, uh, do you mean the movie Alex Ryder Operation Stormbreaker? Yeah, that one. That one. I can't believe I've seen that movie. Well, you were named after it. Of course, you saw it. <laughs> That movie is so terrible. Your parents got a... Mickey works the bad guy in that movie. That makes sense. Bill Nye's in that movie. Ewan McGregor's in that movie. Alex Pettifer from Magic Mike is in that Alicia movie. Alicia Silverstone. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, really and truly... We're... Andy Serkis is in that movie. Oh, gosh. Uh, but we are very, very happy <laughs> for, for Tyler and M. Prime. Uh, she is a just a delightful person, and, and she also threatened us to, to to mention all of this on the podcast. She did. <laughs> I don't know what she with what she threatened us, but she she entreated us. She she threatened to show up on the podcast and just like divulge all of our deepest secrets. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, as, as listeners know, Tyler's a, a just a really dynamite guy. Really smart, really sweet, extremely funny. I mean, obviously, we're he's a treasured friend of, of both of ours. And uh, Prime is just A plus human uh, material. Um, <laughs> but no, she she really is just a dynamite woman, and and they have a really beautiful relationship from what I've seen. It and I'm I'm very very happy uh, to, to to see it go to this this new level because you know it's just nice when you see like a, a really nice couple that complement each other very well. I yeah. think I think they complement each other really. You've known them a lot longer than I have, but even in the brief time I've known them, I've seen like they complement each other really wonderfully. And I have, so congratulations uh to both of you. Yes. 
Congratulations. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you said 100%, <laughs> and I couldn't say it better, so I won't even try. <laughs> so, yeah, congratulations. So, just uh, heads up to all of you sequelers out there. Um, Give the podcast five stars because Tyler's engaged. Yeah. <laughs> so, with that out of the way, Alex, what movie did you watch from my list? Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little bit of a... Of a a preface here before that I... makes sense it was a simple question <laughs> correct <laughs> nothing's ever simple it's like when we say what's your best and worst thing you go you know it's interesting when movies were invented <laughs> you know they had this thing called the camera when it was the whoever brothers with that big train <laughs> and the audiences were like whoa <laughs> I thought it was real <laughs> anyway I guess the music I, I just want to say I had the hardest time trying to figure out what I was going to watch. Yeah, I gave him a... Because I tried to give you a fairly diverse group of movies. I wanted mm-hmm. to pick stuff that you hadn't seen, but that wouldn't be... That would be a stretch, but not an uncomfortable... Like, I wasn't going to be throwing you into the ocean, into the deep end or anything. Right. I was like, well, here's something... I, I genuinely thought you would enjoy all of those movies, or that at least you would have something... I, that I was like, I wonder what his take is on these movies, and that I think you would at least be interested by them right. in some way. And I, you know, I still recommend them in general. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I think you gave me like a week and a half to kind of before us recording this. Yeah, I didn't make up my mind until like two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I, like, I, I, I had the hardest time trying to figure sure, out what, sure. I, what I wanted to watch. Um, I, I was actively interested in every single choice that you, yeah. that you gave me. They're all cool movies. I, I think you'd enjoy it. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on all of them. Yeah. Obviously. But uh, I'm really glad and honestly a little surprised that you chose uh, the one that you chose. Yeah. I, I ended up going with Paranorman. Yes. Which, funny because everyone knows I hate animated <laughs> movies with you, a fiery passion. You do tend to, to dismiss not, them. To dismiss them. With some exceptions. Do you know why? Honestly, no. Yeah. yeah have you just not seen that many? I don't know. Sure, I, it could it could be like a like a post traumatic stress thing from Wally. It could be anything. Well, I do think sometimes though we we tend if we, if we associate movies with difficult memories. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. Like seeing Wally in or, the theater, or even just different or times in our lives right. that we then you know just defensively dismiss right. them. Well, and I say this as a massive fan of Wally. I I don't, I don't know if it's just. If, if it has something to do with that or if it's just like maybe I'm, I'm just even like on a subconscious level I'm just like oh that's kid stuff sure and so I, I, I have to go for what Scorsese would call real cinema <laughs> which is which obviously we're, we're, not, we're not gonna yeah we're not gonna get on yeah. that <laughs> which obviously uh, Taxi Driver's great by the way um, and so is King of Comedy but um, I, I kind of want to do King can, when we do Joker I feel like we should also do Taxi Driver and King of Comedy and just kind of like that would be interesting that would be interesting um, but I am obviously a huge animation fan, and I think the four kids stereotype is such a, a dangerous one. One, be- and I'm not ascribing this to you, but when mm-hmm. other people do this, it's one assuming that kids aren't smart until all their media isn't smart, right? But it's also as though like, oh, what well, you got to be a cool adult and watch stuff with sex and drugs. You can't watch like something optimistic. Oh, they said the f bomb. That makes them edgy. Yeah, that makes it adult. Which I was like, my favorite TV show of all time is Avatar: The Last Airbender. Which aired on Nickelodeon. Well, it's funny because, like, it's weird how I, I tend to dismiss animated movies. Yeah. And, like, we don't really do them on the podcast. Yeah. But, like, I have that entire series on Blu-ray. Yeah, you're a big fan, yeah. Like, when I, you like I, Road El Dorado. And, yeah, I love Road yeah. El Dorado, a Goofy movie. Sure. The Toy Story movies. Yeah. The Incredibles. Yeah. Like, there's a there, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. Sure, sure, sure. Arguably the best Batman movie. Uh, Spider-Verse. 
Into the Spider-Verse yeah. is the best Spider-Man yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are animated movies I really like. I don't, I don't know why. Yeah. I can't, I can't put my finger on it. And it is very easy because most animated movies are aimed at children. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, and, and some of those are amazing. And I think the best ones for me are the ones that are aimed at kids but are mature. Like Pixar is so good at this. And How to Train Your Dragon is so good at this. Mm-hmm. And I think Paranorman is so good at this. We're like, oh, this movie is totally safe for kids. But like, We're also going to talk about some very real things, not in a nihilistic way or a mean way, but like, hey, you guys might actually be dealing with some of this stuff, so like, let's, let's talk about it. Right. And that like, hey, maybe you're not now, but you will when you're older. So like, like How to Train Your Dragon is very much about growing up and hard decisions. And that's... You, you don't always get that in animated movies. Um, right. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's maybe it's just like not quite an uncanny valley type thing, but sure. maybe there's just a disconnect when I'm like, oh, they aren't like really there versus like seeing yeah. real people. Jesse Thorne. I don't once, know. Jesse Thorne once said, and I completely disagree with him on this, but he said that you can't get emotionally invested in video games because they're not real people, which is categorically false. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, maybe you can't. Jesse, but I certainly can. I, I, you, you can't get to the last, the end of that, the Last of Us, oh, and tell me like, oh my god, you, you don't have at least a modicum of emotional yeah. reaction. And yes, like some animation quality is is really poor, but like Pixar never tries to make something look quote unquote realistic. Yeah, those are cartoons, but then because they do such a good job of evoking emotion and and getting you connected, like of course you care about. It. I can't remember what movie it was or I think it was Toy Story 3 maybe where all these like adults were talking about like I did not expect to just be bawling my eyes out over a bunch of toys mm-hmm. like it just completely hit me right and like Lion King was one that got a lot of people myself included um, right yeah I think it's also maybe potentially going along with like stuff like from the past like really affecting you sure I remember like in high school, I took a bunch of Spanish classes. Mm. And for some reason, whenever it was like, oh, there's a sub, we're watching a movie, or whatever, they would always make us watch Finding Nemo in Spanish. Sure, sure. I can never watch that movie again. Yeah. I've had to watch it like ten times in Spanish. Yeah, just because you're... Not for any reason of the movie itself. No, the movie is a perfectly good movie. Yeah, I love the movie. I can never watch it again. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. And there are movies like... Or, you know, I was... I saw that movie, or like this movie was like a favorite of an ex or something, and right. that's a bit different. But yeah, it's very easy to like tie in movies with like, oh god, I, I people were so annoying about. You remember that movie. the time and place in which you saw certain movies, so that yeah. can really affect it. And then when you come back and watch it later, you might still not like it. This happened with Across the Universe, the Beatles movie, mm-hmm. and I rewatched it recently, and I went, oh, I still don't love it, but I don't dislike it anymore. I just right. went, oh, this isn't for me, and it was really cathartic that way. Uh, but all that said, uh, Paranorman, do you want to do the stats on it? Yeah, sure. So Paranorman from 2012, it has an 88% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 72% audience score. And it was directed by uh, Sam Fell and Chris Butler. Yes. Yeah, this is from the, uh, the famous Leica Studios. Correct. Who have made five movies, four of which I, well, three of which I love, four of which I like, one of which I don't. What's the one that you don't? Missing Link from earlier this year. And I didn't even hate it. It's Hugh Jackman, Zach Galifianakis, and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. No, it was not a big. It was not a big. It was like a February release, I think. Okay. Or March, maybe. Yeah, I don't hate it by any means. It's just 
they made Coraline, which I love. They made Paranorman, which I love. They made Kubo and the Two Strings, which I love. When I was looking at their filmography, the one that I realized I needed to see was Coraline. Coraline's really great. I like it a lot. Yeah. And Kubo's really interesting. Box Trolls, I remember being fine, but I need to revisit it. Missing Link was just like, ah, this is not that special to me. Which isn't notable, except that from a studio that I just so unabashedly love, it's like... It feels like such a draw. It's like the lesser Pixar movies. Yeah. Where it's like, none of these are bad. It's really not that big of a deal. It's, it's just, just in comparison. It feels like everything's a huge relative. step down. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, best thing, worst thing, Paranorman. Um, first off, I really liked the movie. Surprise, yeah, it's awesome. Surprise, surprise. I'm glad. I liked it. Um, it was hard for me to pinpoint a best thing, because yeah. there's a lot to really like. I think I'm going to go with kind of the finale. Sure, sure. And how Paranorman, I'm going to call him Paranorman even yeah. though his name is Norman. Right. How he ends up solving the problem mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting and thought-provoking. Yeah. Um, so basically, if you, if nobody has, if you haven't seen this, it's about this, this kid um, who talks to the dead. Yeah, he sees ghosts. And, Quite literally, he sees dead people. Yeah, and, and apparently this is a thing that's like passed through his bloodline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, like it was his, his uncle or something. So his crazy uncle, who is voiced by John Goodman, yeah. and I don't think he's in the movie enough, but no. he was, he's oh. awesome whenever he's there. Yeah. Um, he's he's like, oh, for years I've been keeping this witch at bay, and she's I'm I'm about to die, and you've yeah. got to you've got to take care of this for me. So take this book and go recite this these lines in front of her grave. Yeah. Um, and it ends up being this crazy thing where zombies are attacking, and, and Norman's trying to solve the problem, and, and everybody keeps giving him crap because he's weird, and nobody yeah. believes that he talks to ghosts. Yep. Um, and the end, it ends up just being him just talking to this girl who's <laughs> had this terrible, terrible yeah. experience. Yeah. She's literally been murdered. Yep. And and basically helping her to find peace. Yeah. And it, I thought that was, for a children's film especially, yeah. I thought that was very very yeah interesting as a choice it is a movie about bullying yes like that that was the thing when this movie came out people were raving one about the gay character and how people felt really they really liked that representation element the, i i really liked the twist for that because yeah. you watch it and it's um i can't casey, remember casey affleck it's casey voice. affleck's yeah. character who is the older brother of the the uh, chubby kid yeah um and then you have Anna Kendrick, who plays Norman's older sister, who is constantly pining after this guy. Yes. I mean, very clearly he's not interested in her. But it, it, at first it seems like, oh, he's just oblivious. Yeah, he's just like a dumb jock. He's yeah, kind he's of dumb. can't get it, yeah. And then at the end, she's like, oh, we should totally hang out sometime. And he's like, oh, yeah, you'll definitely love my boyfriend. He's right. He's really cool. Yeah. I, I, I really great. respected that. That was a... If you're going to do something like that, if you're going to have it be like a reveal that sure, one sure. of your characters is gay, that's kind of... Yeah. That's the way you do it. Not as like a... Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, this movie got a lot of praise at the time from various like award shows and awards circuits and just, you know, critics and everything saying like that's really good representation. One, because he wasn't a gay stereotype. Right. He was um, he was a jock. Yeah. He worked out. Yeah. And he was like... Yeah. I, I, and I, I really like that. And the, and the other thing it was really praised for was that this is an anti-bullying movie that's not like preachy. Yeah, and it's like, hey guys, that's not cool, but like, really gets into like, this is what, this is how it affects people. Right. Like, this is a serious issue, um, and I, I really, really respected that. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I really like the ending. Basically, I agree. 
when he's like reciting this news story, basically the witch's story, he's basically yeah. just telling her what has happened to her and basically trying yeah. to get her to relive her experience. And then he like grabs onto her, and then it like cuts to them in like this forest. Yeah, and the music is really great at that point too. And I really love that moment where she's like, "Well, how does the story end?" And he's like, "Well, I think that's up to you." Yeah, and just kind of that moment where where they kind of just sit down on, on you know, next to the tree, and she kind of just kind of puts her head on his shoulders, yeah. and then just kind of fades away. Yep. I don't know. That, that all really, really worked for me. Yeah. And like I said, in, in a kid's movie, that it wasn't like a big slapstick thing or a more... That it was something with layers. Well, it's nice that the, when the movie gets bombastic, that's not ultimately where it ends up. Yeah. Because I guess this gets kind of into my worst thing. I felt like the second act kind of dragged a sure. bit. I agree. Um, mostly because I didn't know where it was going. If I kind yeah. of knew ahead of time that they were kind of going to subvert my expectations... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the way that they did, because for the longest stretch of the movie I'm going so they're just going to find her grave and then recite some lines and then the problem is fixed like there's nothing more to it than that yeah yeah but then we get the reveal once they're at the library that oh the switch is from colonial times and she was actually just this little girl who could also speak to ghosts and the colonials killed her yeah and the zombies that are attacking them are those colonials yeah and suddenly, like, when the third act turns on, like, once they get to the library and all that stuff happens, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's, there's, there's a little bit of a stretch where I feel like basically once he goes to the initial grave site and the bully shows up. Yeah. Um, Christopher Mitz-Ploss. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting casting. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's great. Um, yeah, he's good. But, uh, but that stretch to them kind of running into his sister and mm-hmm. the chubby kid and his brother and then them getting to the library and then also kind of the zombies kind of attacking at first and but but like once everything starts to go nuts yeah. then I, I was back in I agree um so my best thing about this movie I really have a worst thing is really the whole thing but specifically <laughs> my best thing about this movie is this is one of my favorite Anna Kendrick performances um heads up guys we're gonna talk a lot about Anna Kendrick <laughs> Soon because of Pitch mean, Perfect. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you meant in this episode. I was going to be like, I think you mean you are. I mean, I and will. then I'm just going to sit here and, and but like in the listen. Pitch Perfect movies, like we both, and I'm assuming Tyler, we all love her. Who doesn't? Come on. But this movie has my favorite. Make Anna, her Squirrel Girl. Uh, Do it. My favorite line delivery of any Anna Kendrick performance is in this movie, where all the zombies are coming at the library, and she goes, "Stop trying to murder my brother. You're grown ups. Stop it." <laughs> like she's so good in this because again like they have Christopher Mitz-Plus playing the jerk right playing the bully and they have her playing the like mean older sister valley girl character and she's always playing the like weird alt kid like I thought that that was she's really really funny in this in a lot of scenes but that's my favorite line that uh, she says I wish Elaine uh, Stritch was in it more as the grandma because Elaine Stritch is awesome mm-hmm. um also, yeah. I, I really like not not just the ending with, with the witch character, but also just the resolution with uh, Norman and his family. Yeah. Um, and, and just kind of them realizing, oh, hey, the, the grandmother's here. And then the yeah. father sits down and just... I think it would have been very easy for them to immediately have like him say, like pour his heart out and say all these emotional things. And then the grandma's like, okay, I've, I've found peace now. And then sure, she kind of fades sure. away. And they don't do that. Yeah. They have to say of, like... Uh, Am I sitting too close, Norman? Or am I sitting on her? Or something like yeah. that. Like that which and is then a great he, And then he's just like, hi. 
or yeah. you know something like some and it's just like oh okay I, I see where this is going to go but you don't have to show it to right. me right like you're and that's actually a little more touching like oh they got started right and that's a, a really beautiful thing I also the I think the kid's name is Neil Norman's friend yes that kid is very funny in this movie I absolutely loved him he's so good and the scene, the gag with the hockey mask Yes. Is maybe my favorite thing that I've ever seen in any movie. <laughs> the scene where he... Like, I know I go on and on about Thor arriving in Wakanda, but sure, I think sure. this rivals that. But the scene where he and Norman are playing fetch with the ghost dog... Yes. ...is so good, where he's like, what do you... You throw? You just take a stick and you throw it. I don't... Like, it's so clearly ad-libbed. Yeah. But it's so like, I do like this. No, it's... You, you, throw, you throw it. How do you... Um, <laughs> it's like a grandmother. It's so funny. Yeah. And that kid is so good, and he's so sweet. Yes. Oh, yeah, I just adored him. And I think part of my problem also with, with the second act, and, and all my problems are very small, small yeah. quibbles. O overall, I really, really like the movie. Um, I feel like they didn't do enough with the character relationships. Sure. Um, I think at a certain point, just some of the stuff's taken for granted. Gotcha. Like the bully, I don't... Like, he just kind of switches and becomes yeah. Norman's friend without them... It's just by circumstance, it's not really like they have a whole lot of yeah. interactions where they're like talking to each other. Right, right, right. Which, I mean, that would be fine, but then I feel like Neil, I feel like Norman pushes him away a few too many times, mm -hmm. and I feel like Neil should be kind of pushing back against him. Yeah. And one thing that I kind of noticed, and, and some of this is just like, oh, what I, what I wanted from the movie versus what the movie actually is, so maybe this is unfair. Yeah. Um... I feel like Norman should be feeling the kind of hatred or something similar to what the witch was feeling, where mm. these people have wronged me. I'm one day I'm gonna get back at them or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And like he starts to feel like his darkest impulses. Sure. And then Neil is the one that kind of brings him back. Mm. Because we kind of have that realization that, oh, the witch, like, she was just like a little girl, yeah. like and these these people did these terrible things to her. But then Norman goes, "Oh, you must have had somebody that cared about you, or something yeah. like that." So I kind of wish it was it was it was something like the reason Norman is able to get to her is because of his friends and like this, yeah. this these bonds that he's created have helped right, right. give him this this wisdom and this experience that he's able to then use to solve the problem. I see what you mean. Yeah, because yeah, I guess a lot of those friends those bonds were kind of created like well, we need to do this for the movie. Yeah, and so, and they do them well, but they do do them a bit quickly. Yeah. Like, Neil becomes his friend, like, the day of yeah. the problem yeah, starting. Yeah. Do you... As I, as I recall, the, Neil's brother, the Casey Affleck character, mm -hmm. was like... I was I liked that they didn't make him, like, a jerk older brother. No. He was kind of an idiot, but he was, like... He was kind of oblivious to Neil, but not in a mean way. Right. He was just, like... He, was, he still wanted to help his brother. He just... Well, I, ju I just like that moment where... um. And they show up to the house, yeah. And, and uh, Neil's like, "Oh, hey, this is my friend Norman." And then Casey Affleck goes, "Isn't that, isn't that the weird kid? Is yeah, probably not the best idea. Just yeah. take, just give some advice. Like it's very clear he's not trying to be mean. He's just trying to give his brother some advice. Yeah, he's not like, oh, you're a dumb idiot for yeah, hanging yeah, out yeah. with this loser. Right? Like, it's not like that. No, no, no. no. Um, I also love I, I love all the interactions between him and Kendrick, and Kendrick just right. being like, "Geez, free weights." <laughs> like, uh, I, I feel like. Anna Kendrick's character is the one where I'm not really feeling a disconnect yeah. in terms of her relationship with Norman and kind of the arc that goes through. Yeah, I feel like that, um, that follows. Because it's also such a teenage girl, 11-year-old boy relationship, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. 
Well, well, especially that that just that moment where where he's yelling at her in the library, and he's like, "Nobody ever like respects me, yeah. or everybody calls me a freak. I have to do this. Yeah, you can leave. I didn't ask you to help me. Yeah, I don't know. I really like that. Oh, absolutely. And just kind of that's that's her breaking point where he's she's like, oh. Oh yeah, this is my brother. Like I'm supposed to care about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really loved how, and they didn't make that too easy. Where she's like, you know what? You're the best little brother. Like, right. Her personality doesn't change. Right. They're still gonna bicker and fight. It's but... it's not a light switch character. Yeah, one. exactly. The, the and then maybe the light the some the, not quite light switch, but the similar light switch flip with the bully is mm-hmm. that it's this idea of like bullies are cowards underneath and the. The bully facade is a facade, so it's not that he grew as a person; it's that he got rid of the facade. Right. But then, that it, but like the choice to get rid of the facade is growth. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, I still enjoyed him in the movie. I thought he did a really good job, and, yeah. and was quite dislikable. The animation is wonderful. I Beautiful. no complaints there. Yeah, I, I love the aesthetic. Yeah, stop motion is such a great tool that Leica uses so beautifully. Yeah. The humans are. I, I like how all the humans look like they have a cold because the tips of their noses are really red. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the, the effects within it were really good. The digital elements of it yeah. were beautiful. I loved the music. No, visually speaking, I have no complaints. Yeah. And voice actor wise, no complaints. Oh man, just a couple of tweaks to the story. Yeah. And um, even then, it's more about just like making it like cleaning it up. It's not yeah. about like this event was wrong. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I felt like some of the character stuff was a bit. Standard and by the numbers. Yeah, but then we get to the end, and like I said, there's that twist with the witch, and I'm like, oh, oh, you guys are, oh, this is like, this is profound. Yeah, <laughs> and how nice that there were kids, their kids are going to go see that movie, and that that's the ending. They're the get. opening I found very surprising. Mm. It opens with him; he's watching like this old Frankenstein esque movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see his grandmother just kind of sitting there in the back, but she's like floating and she's green. Mm-hmm. I thought I had no idea what the movie was about mm-hmm. coming into it. Okay. Excuse me. Um, I, I thought it was just like, oh, it's like a weird supernatural Tim Burton-esque thing. I don't yeah, really know yeah. what to expect from it. Um, but then he goes into the kitchen or whatever, and his father's yelling at him like, oh, stop talking to your grandmother. We told you she's dead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh! Oh, it's not like everybody else is in on the supernatural aspects. He's yeah. He's all alone. Yeah. And that immediately just got my brain going of like, what does that do to a kid if you... Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, for sure. <laughs> was it ever made clear? I can't remember if the girl from the the witch, quote unquote, if she was related to him. I believe she has the same last name as the uncle. Okay, so like I believe distance. that's I, I believe yeah. that's the idea. Because if that would tie in with the whole bloodline, yeah, element. John Goodman is very good in this, and I wonder how he survived because he's coughing so much. Right. <laughs> and I love how Neil's just like, wow. What a creepy old man. <laughs> yeah. He's so he's so like not dumb dumb but like sweetly dumb. Yeah. You know, and just like okay. I mean just like little moments like when when they're doing the play. Yeah. Right? And, and Norman falls over. Uh-huh. And then he's like, Oh tree told me to do it and everybody just looks at Neil and Neil's just like, What? He's like holding the twig. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> like there's so many little character gags like that yeah. that I just I, I totally ate up. Yeah. This is easily my favorite Leica film. I think Kubo and Coraline are both really strong, but this is is far and away my favorite. And mm-hmm. it's if I were to make like my top ten animated movies, I would have to do like a Pixar and non Pixar list right. because like there's so many great Pixar movies. Right. This would almost certainly be on there. Like yeah. this and Spider Verse easily. Like yeah. I just I think it's so special and so important 
but also just genuinely entertaining and well made and funny and like it just hits every note that you need a, a good animated movie to hit. I do wonder what my reaction to this would have been if if I had seen this back in like middle school or high school. Right, right. Because the character basically retreating into like movies and pop culture and stuff sure. and, and like fantasy and stuff is something that I kind of did sure. when I was sure. in high school. No, I did in, too, yeah. In particular. Yeah. Um and the movie doesn't really focus on that all that much, but I was no, I, but, yeah. I was reading a lot into that in terms of like, oh, this kid like he talks to dead people every day. Of course, this is what he would gravitate to. Yeah. But just in terms of like retreating into like, oh, nobody really likes me. Let me, you know. Yeah. Here's here's my niche media that I consume, right. and that's kind of like everything he focuses on. Yeah. That's kind of what I did in high school, just kind of like retreating into like movies. Sure. I got you. Yeah. I, I did I, that with video games, certainly, and mm-hmm. for most of my life. I yeah. do like also the scene where, it, like, when, when he's walking to school, hello there, hi, yeah. how are you? Only you can't see the ghosts, yeah. which is such a great moment of... It lets us see him the way everybody else does. Yeah. Not judgmentally, but to go like, this is why... Like, they do such a good job of choosing... Well, there's a bit where he says hi to a dead skunk. Right. Because I guess the skunk's ghost... They showed the corpse of the skunk, and that's what everybody looks at him for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you turn around, and it's like, oh, he's... Like, you can see everyone that he's... Which is so beautiful, because for a while you're just, like, watching him just, like, say hello to the air. Which... You know, if you say it just normally, like, here's what happens, you'd think, oh, that seems like the obvious way to do it. Right. But I think, it, like, it's it's very, very important to be like, no, this is why people see him as a freak. Like, yeah. like just imagine, like, just seeing this kid walking down the street just saying yeah. hi to random things. For sure, absolutely. And, like, I don't know, the fact that stop motion takes so long to do. Yeah. That, like, they they managed to do it with such detail and the characters are so, that their expressions and their the way they move is so detailed and so full. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's amazing. Like, these, these these folks at Leica are just top top tier, I think. All right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's just funny how, like, going back to my, my quote-unquote dismissal of animated movies, it, it is funny how, like, after watching Into the Spider-Verse, and mm-hmm. even something like this, I'm just like, we don't need, like, superhero movies or, like, really big-budget things to be like live action anymore. We can yeah. just have them be animated and we're fine. Especially because most of them are already like 40-50% right. animated anyhow. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's finding within like Spider-Verse would not work as a live action movie. It works so much better as an animated Because it thing. doesn't need to be. No. Like stylistically yeah. that movie works because it is animated. Yeah. Absolutely. And is embracing the fact that it is a living, breathing comic book. Yeah. And plus that shot of him Diving like he's diving up into the, mm-hmm. the skyline is one of my favorite things I've seen in a movie. Couldn't do that with Tobey Maguire. <laughs> and they're playing that like "What's Up, Danger" song. Like you could do it with Andrew Garfield. Yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> but his hair would take up the whole, the whole skyline. Um, they're gonna say the whole screen. The whole screen too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I recently started watching BoJack Horseman, and Andrew Garfield's in one of the early episodes. Is he really as a character, not himself? Oh, okay. But it's like, uh, just don't ask Andrew to, you know, go. To, he always wants to eat lasagna. Andrew <laughs> Garfield wants to eat lasagna. Yeah, he's usually in a good mood unless you have to audition on a Monday. Andrew Garfield likes lasagna and hates Mondays. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's stupid, <laughs> but fun. What's your grade for Paranorman? Um, 
This one I don't really feel comfortable giving a grade yet unless sure. I, I see it again. I'll, I mean, I'll go ahead and give it something. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. probably sitting in a B plus sure. for now. Um, I'd have to watch it again before yeah, I feel yeah. comfortable with that because, like I said, I, I had some minor problems with it, but it, it really it threw me for a loop. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I I do wonder on on rewatch how much stuff I'll pick up on. Sure, in terms of building up to yeah, and like the the no, knowing round. that the ending is a subversion. And right. Not, yeah. Right. What's your grade for it? Is it A plus? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's, yeah, what, a plus. that's what I figured. <laughs> that's what I figured. Yeah, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I was really not expecting you to choose this one. I mean, I, I, I chose it for a reason, but I was like, oh, I assumed you would go with one of the others. But I'm really glad that you did, and I'm really glad that you liked it. Right. Question. Did this come out the same year as Frank and Weenie? Because I remember at the time being very confused about both of these movies and thinking they were practically the same. Um, Maybe I'm crazy, but that's that's what I remember. So for like when you initially had sent it to me, I was, wow, it was yeah. So like when you had initially sent it to me, I was like, wait, is that is that the Tim Burton one or is that the other one? <laughs> I wonder if they were up for the Oscar at the same time. I have no idea. Um. Yeah, that's that's something that I, I'm really weird that's stuck in my mind. I I wondered if that was like a like a ants bugs life situation, <laughs> where where like one studio was trying to undercut the other one by releasing something very similar, like a prestige illusionist situation, yeah, something like that. I remember. Have you seen Frank and Weenie? No, I haven't. Um, I remember liking it okay. So it looks like it was nom- It was Paranorman, Wreck It Ralph. Pirates Band of Misfits and wait Pirates Band of Misfits sorry I'm looking at sorry this is a maybe maybe I'm wrong is there a lost Pirates of the Caribbean movie that we don't know about no this is an uh, uh, Ardman and Park like Wallace and Gromit that crew oh this is one of theirs oh okay I remember watching it and, and enjoying it um, I like Chicken Run how about that Chicken Run's awesome I gotta watch that movie again it has been a minute. I think it's streaming somewhere. Da-da-da. Yeah, because I... It didn't win an animated feature. I know that. Which is kind of a crime? Yeah, <laughs> I, I certainly would have. It was probably Wreck-It Ralph that won, right? If if that was the same year, then yes, it would have been. Which I, I, I enjoy Wreck-It Ralph. Um, I, I think it's really solid. Uh, do... Oh, no. So the nominees that year were Brave, Frank and Weenie, Paranorman, Pirates, Band of Misfits, and Wreck-It Ralph. Brave won. Okay. <laughs> Which is a movie that I like, but I like Paranorman more. Paranorman's what I would vote for. I also have only seen Brave once, and I've seen Paranorman two or three times. So, And more recently. There you go. Yep. But yeah. Both both solid choices oh, that we, we chose this this time. Good uh, Halloween <laughs> viewing. This Good. is a more this that was a more Halloween movie than our Halloween special. That's I realized that the second I started watching this or watching Paranorman, I was like, oh wait, this is like, oh I'm I'm like actually prepping for Halloween. This is like a Halloween movie. This is weird. Yeah, I gotta find Monster House somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. That's 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 what we did. Yeah. Anything? Oh, sorry. Anything else 
we really need to hit on? It's, it's it's nice to just like experience new movies yeah. sometimes. And I agree. And I, I feel like I, I, I fall victim to this where, where oftentimes, particularly because I, I collect my own sure. library of films, so oftentimes I'm like, well, I paid for it. Let me let me watch these movies a few times. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes I just go back and I'll, I'll rewatch. I will actively choose to rewatch something over trying something new. Sure. And I feel like that's kind of a flawed way of going about it. <laughs> it's got to do both, though, because it's good to revisit yeah. things and, you know... And see how, see how, how your tastes have changed. Yeah, you got to balance them, yeah. for sure. But I feel like it's it's way in, in one party's favor over yeah. another. Well, I'm glad that this coaxed you a, a, a step closer right. to, to, a, to the medium. I medium. was going to watch Bone Tomahawk as well, and then it got to the night before recording this, and I was like, I don't... No, it's I a, gotta be in a mood for that. It's also a long. It's two hours and twelve minutes. Right. Like, I mean, it's a great movie, but it's it's a long one and a harsh one. Right. Like, yeah. Whenever you do watch it, I will be very excited to talk about well, it. Well, especially because you you were like, oh, I'm watching Clue, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm choosing Paranormal. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. oh, these these fun, right? Lighthearted. And then we watch Bone Tomahawk. This like <laughs> gritty, harsh. Oh man. <laughs> Although there are really funny parts in it, but yeah, yeah, the the sheer joy on Britain's face as he wants to talk about Bone Tomahawk—it's just so—it's <laughs> a very good movie. Well, fair enough. I will watch I it eventually. Yes. Oh yeah. When you are in the right mood, it is not a casual. I will movie. watch it after we force Tyler to watch Turbo a Power Rangers <laughs> movie. We'll do a double billing. Now, I'm assuming this is a crossover between Power Rangers and that snail racing movie, right? Yeah, of course. Cool. Turbo. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, yeah. Didn't Ryan Reynolds? Didn't he voice Turbo? He did. A Star Wars story. Why do I know that? <laughs> you love the Rye Ray. Why, I mean, why wouldn't you? <laughs> but you're the one that's seen Detective Pikachu. I, I sure have. I have not seen that. I sure have. I mean, I was also... The target age when Pokemon was first unleashed upon the world. That's fair. So, how was I not going to see that movie? Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to do a recommendation this week because this is kind of a weird one. I'll be back with my regular Hey, go watch Clue and Paranormal. Yeah, honestly, those are Spoilers, they're both good. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Go do those. And, uh, and Especially if you're feeling in a Halloween mood. I think both of them actually fit. I think, they, I think they do. Especially Paranormal, but I think they both fit. Clue could fit a Halloween Yeah, I think feeling. so. Yeah, murder mystery. You're dying in it. Yeah. <laughs> the French maid gets killed. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Monsieur, I was so frightened. <laughs> frightened, oh no. She's so funny in that. Oh <laughs> uh, dear. Yeah, good times. Yeah. You want to go ahead and, and, and give, uh, give them the, the deets? Sure. So guys, you want to find us? If you want to ask us a question or a comment or send Tyler your engagement, congratulations. You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can follow us on Twitter at HTCsequels. HCT sequels. HCT sequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com and uh, we're on iTunes and CastBox and wherever you, wherever fine podcasts are found. We should work on getting ourselves on Spotify. Yeah, we do that, need to that do that. Might be. You're not on Spotify, but we're on the other ones. So look uh, us up, give us a rating or a review. Apple Podcasts, five stars, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> good podcast, good friends, great times, great oldies. Uh, next week. Tyler's back. We're Tyler's doing... back. All right. We're doing Pitch Perfect. We sure are. And the Rotten Tomatoes page for Paranorman is open, and Anna Kendrick's face is right there. That's a fact. And I feel good about it. So, yeah, we're going to have Pitch Perfect next week. So get your, your acapella, get your singing voice tuned up. 
and your fake vomit far away from me. Um, I've already found, I already know my worst thing about the movie. And remember to come back same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you all next week. Happy Halloween! Ooh. Chain rattle, chain rattle, skeleton sounds, screeching bat. Shh, shh.